0: Welcome to Sound Practice, the business podcast for physicians and healthcare leaders, hosted by Cheryl Toth and Mike Sakopoulos, and produced by the American Association for Physician Leadership.
1: Mike, do you think great physician leaders are born or made?
2: Ooh, kind of a uh, tough question, uh, Tothy. I am going to go with uh, made uh, for two reasons. One, I absolutely want that to be true. And two, you know, I really do think it is true. I
1: I agree with you, um, and the way I look at it is I, I know that physicians bring with them to their first role or any role, at least some inherent leadership qualities, but whether they expand on those by adding new skills mm. or seeking new opportunities to grow, that depends on them. So in that sense, I do think leaders are made, and oftentimes they're self-made, and I think we've heard on the podcast when we've had physician leaders talk about how they found their path, you know, they sought opportunities and professional growth.
2: Very well said there, Tothi. I think having a strong foundation on which to build those type of skills is incredibly important, and really, that starts when a young physician gets his or her first opportunity, their Mm -hmm. first job. Yep. That's what you talked to our guest today about, right? Building leadership skills of newly hired physicians by providing a good foundation, a sound foundation, and effectively onboarding those physicians, right?
1: Correct. I interviewed Nicola Hawkinson, founder and CEO of SpineSearch. And her company provides recruitment, of course, uh, but she also provides practice optimization services for spine surgeons and professionals She has a lot of experience, not only in recruiting, but also in clinical care because she started her career as a nurse practitioner and then decided to start this business and she talks about that. So in this conversation, she talked about how too many organizations will drop the ball on building a good foundation for their new recruits. You know, the physician shows up and there's no plan or timeline for training or development. And sometimes the staff are like, who are you? Like they don't even know the new doctor was supposed to start. (laughs)
2: How how terrible would that be to start your first job, show up, and people are looking at you like you're some kind of a Martian? What are you doing here? Uh, And, you know, we laugh about it, Tothy. but certainly you've probably heard these stories. I know that I have people uh, talking about it, and you think beyond just horrific management of of an organization or a practice, it just crosses that line that our mothers told us is just flat rude. So there you are. Look, I think our listeners are going to learn a lot from your conversation with Nicola, which I think it's important to point out, you recorded this before the COVID-19 national crisis took hold, so it is not as though we are avoiding an elephant in the room. This recording uh, predates our COVID-19 crisis.
1: Yes, thank you. I think it's really good to mention that, Mike, because uh, Nicola and I don't discuss anything related to the pandemic.
2: In some ways, that should provide a little bit of a psychic break for our, our, our listeners. All right, Tothi, uh, before we get to the interview, it's your turn. Word of the show. Let's have it. All right,
1: indeed. It is my turn. And Mike, my word of the show today is Bumbershoot. Do you know what a bumbershoot is?
2: I have to say that I, one, I love this word, and two, that I know it, but I only know it because of time uh, I spent in um, in London uh, doing some some graduate work. So that gives me a huge advantage on knowing what a bumbershoot is. But, but tell our audience.
1: Well, I love this old fashioned word, and it is very British, as you say. It means umbrella. It's what they use for the word umbrella, or some Brits. Um, And it's a lot more fun, don't you think, to say bumbershoot instead of umbrella? According to Merriam-Webster, it was first used in 1876, so it's an old word, and you and I both know that we love old words. Mm. And so I think I'm gonna bring this one into my repertoire a little bit. As uh, the next time it rains, I am not gonna reach for my umbrella here in Arizona. I'm gonna reach for my bumbershoot.
2: Very nice, (laughs) excellent, my friend. Now. Let's listen to your interview with Nicola Hawkinson.
1: The topic today is how to build those leadership skills in the physicians that you've recently hired. And to talk about that, our guest in the virtual studio today is Nicola Hawkinson. CEO and founder of Spine Search. And Nicola, welcome to Sound Practice Podcast. Thank you, Cheryl. We met, you and I, a couple months back. We were speaking on the same program. And um, I just really enjoyed hearing what you had to say about recruitment and all the wonderfully practical ideas that you had. And so I mentioned to AAPL and um, Nancy Collins that we should have you on the program. And she said, Oh, you know, she's writing for the Physician Leadership Journal, the PLJ in the first quarter and you've also write for and you've written a terrific article on how to orient your new physician in the Journal of Medical Practice Management, which is also an AAPL publication. So, we're just really I'm just really glad you can join us. And Thank before, you. Yeah, and before we talk about building leadership skills in young physicians, I'd like to give the folks a little bit of background about you. I said you were the founder and CEO of Spine Surge, and your company has been around since 2008, full-service recruitment, education, and consulting company, which is dedicated to orthopedic spine surgeons, neurosurgeons, and pain management physicians. So you you go narrow and deep in those um, specialties. You're based in New York City, and you serve um, hospitals, ASCs, and practices nationwide. So what I thought I'd kind of start by asking you is, I read in your bio also that you started out as a clinician. You're a nurse practitioner and an RNFA, correct? That is correct. And so I wanted to know, how did you decide to make that transition from clinician to CEO, to founder? Tell tell me a little bit about that and your decision
3: to start Spine Search. Absolutely. So I started my career right out of nursing school in the operating room, specifically in orthopedics and spine. I moved on from there to become a nurse practitioner in RNFA and stayed in the field of spine and orthopedics. From there, continued to get my doctorate in nursing. And during that 10 to 15 year span of a clinical career experience, What I recognized as we met with other NPs, PAs, office staff, and physicians at national meetings, the conversations were the same. How do we find good people? How do we find people that understand who we are and what we're doing specifically? And the feedback at a 10,000-foot level was that there are many recruitment firms out there, but They couldn't identify those that had the intimate knowledge of understanding the ins and outs of an orthopedic or spine practice. Mm -hmm. So I thought to myself, why couldn't I be the person to help find these practices, their people, whether it be clinical or administrative? Simultaneously, I was pursuing my doctorate in nursing and was taking my first business class of which I had to create a business plan for a need I saw in the industry. So it was the absolute perfect time Mm -hmm. to put pen to paper and start drawing up a business plan for this model. In doing that and looking at your market research, again, I found there are many fantastic recruitment firms out there, but most of them focus on a particular position just physicians, just nurses, just executive level. There was not a recruitment firm out there whose focus was based on a specific medical field Mm -hmm. and to tend to those surgeons, physicians, and departments that specifically dealt with orthopedics, spine, and pain management. And that's how it got started. That is that is terrific. I mean, uh, seeing that need and knowing all
1: the back all the background you had in clinical care and working in those um, specialties, what a perfect match. I know that in addition to recruiting physicians, you also have something that's a little bit different. Why don't you just give me a, a quick overview of what makes your recruitment firm different, this practice optimization element?
3: Absolutely. So, In wanting to differentiate us, I wanted to make sure we were not quote unquote just recruiters or just a recruitment firm, faxing resumes, emailing resumes um, back and forth, but rather as a boutique organization, having an intimate relationship with our clients. So oftentimes when these clients have search needs, we will physically go into the practice, learn a little bit about what's going on and what positions are needed And if in filling those positions, they will fulfill the need of the practice. During those conversations, what we're talking about is practice optimization. What are the needs of the office? Who do you have already? How will this person differentiate from the others you have? Then we start talking about things like job descriptions, standard operating procedures, workflow optimization. That's the part of this that I really enjoy and love. And the reality is if we can help the practices with this, we are ensuring not only that we can recruit the right person for the job, but the practice can retain the person once they're there because we have effectively helped them to optimize their practice and their workflow, making this a better environment, hopefully a more productive and fruitful environment as well.
1: Great. And I think that is, you've really summed up why we thought you'd be a great great guest today, because we're talking about building physician leadership skills in your young young, uh, surgeons, in your case, because that's who you work with primarily. And um, you have that great background of being the leader of a company, as well as helping a practice optimize all of the business components, workflow, those sorts of things, management. So help them you know, with management and leadership as well. So let's focus on that now and talk about how, from, from your standpoint, as when you see practices spend so much time recruiting, and let's say you've pointed out some of those areas they need to optimize, but they've brought the new doctor on board. Once the physician is there, so often the practice doesn't do a very good job onboarding them or welcoming them. Tell us what you think are some of the, the tips, you know, the, the pearls that you think make for a good foundation for a doctor to become a leader in an organization.
3: Absolutely. So the, so the first thing that the employer has to recognize that this new employee, especially if they're coming to you right out of residency or fellowship, has been told what to do and where to be for their entire lives up to this point from birth to toddler to being school-aged to high school-aged, college, medical school, residency, and then fellowship. Now, they've done all of this training. They are nearly 30 to 35 years old. They're out on their own for the first time ever. Mm -hmm. They need more help than anyone, because up until this point, what they've been excellent at is being the trainee, being trained, right? They they say to us in life 99% is just showing up. Nope. They showed up, they invested the time, they did everything they needed to do, but they need someone to help them now to become a professional, to become a leader, to learn how to build their business within the business. They need a plan, they need a timeline, They need help. Um, I was going to ask about that timeline.
1: Like, how does that actually get set up? Who decides that in the practice or organization? In most cases, what do you think is ideal when you're there? The practice is putting that all together for this this position.
3: Right. So I think it has to be put together by the employer and the hiring manager. Now that could be the partners in a practice. It could be the chairman of a department. Um just so you can understand, you know, it's like their probationary period is someone staying on track. Okay, within 3 months of being here, they should be credentialed. Within 6 months, they should have seen X amount of patients in the office and booked a certain amount of cases. Give them a timeline or something to go by. Look at how people progressed in the past. Some may be faster, some may be slower. Use the law of averages so you have something to go by um, in terms of data and statistics. So someone could know if they're doing well and ahead of schedule or maybe they're a little bit behind schedule. But how is this new employee going to know any of this if they have absolutely nothing to compare it to?
1: Well, and I think you're right. I've, I've seen so often that the new physician shows up and some of the staff aren't even aware that he or she is going to be showing up. Maybe they're not on the appointment schedule, or even if they are, the staff don't really know how to schedule an appointment for them. Um, they may not know much about their specialty or subspecialty. So how do you suggest that an organization get the staff on board to make sure they welcome that new doctor?
3: Well, you've actually answered the question, Cheryl. The first thing we have to do is tell the staff. <laughs> tell the staff. There should be, they need to tell them. There needs to be a brief meeting or maybe part of a monthly meeting that says, We've just hired Dr. So-and-so. This is the date he'll be joining. Now, I'd really like to see there be something like a welcome luncheon for him on the first day he gets there, a meet and greet, share some names. And then, as I refer to in my article, maybe um, he is appointed a mentor in the group, Mm -hmm. um, in terms of physician mentor, and maybe he is appointed if he doesn't have his own secretary or administrative assistant, someone that can be his go-to person. So we need to acclimate him to his new home and to this new environment. So these, these answers are, some of them are very simple. We need to tell them that this person's coming. What his specialty is, why we liked him, why we chose him, why we think this is a great fit, why this is so great for everyone.
1: You mentioned the mentoring and and uh, pairing the new doctor with a physician mentor. I'd like you to expand on that a little bit because the AAPL has a mentoring service. We've, we've um, covered mentoring earlier this year, and it's just such a a brilliant way to acclimate as well as um, help guide this new person who, like you said, is 30, 35 years old and, you know, here they are emerging in the world. So if you want to start the foundation of good leadership skills, pairing them with the physician, do you have an example of of an organization or two that you've worked with that's done that well and maybe how they've done it?
3: I know a number of practices who have done it. Um, In terms of done it and done it well, very few Mm. it is you know the world of medicine is so competitive and we are all so busy that the recruiting process takes so long that people think once they've got them they've got them and they give very little to no attention to what it takes to keep someone So they think, contract signed, I've got them in the door, we're good to go. And they Mm -hmm. don't realize they can lose these people in the first 6 to 12 months because they weren't welcome, they didn't acclimate, they didn't get their credentialing done on time It's 6 months, and they're not in the OR yet. Their patient volume is low, and there was no marketing plan to make it higher.
1: Wow, it's hard to believe that still goes on. But if you were to be advising these practices to do better, That mentor, that physician piece, what could that physician mentor do well to get that doctor up to speed? Um, I mean, the mentor may not have purview over developing a marketing plan, but maybe is there a way to encourage and guide the doctor based on lessons that the mentor doctor learned on how to grow the practice and also to start developing some leadership skills in the young surgeon?
3: Absolutely. And I would say, very simply stated, a basic plan, a basic timeline with some bullet points and regularly scheduled meetings, even if it's just once a week to make sure this person's on track.
1: Yeah, and that on track will be also to the timeline, maybe if the manager has that with credentialing and all that sort of thing. But in terms of the mentor, you mentioned weekly, is it is it weekly meetings typically with the physician mentor with that new surgeon? What, what's ideal, I guess?
3: I'm gonna say ideal would be weekly. I know it would be really hard for the mentor, super busy between clinic and call and the OR, um, but I think that needs to be our standard mm-hmm. um, to shoot for because once a month, this isn't enough. You know, we need to get these people on the insurance panels, right? Mm-hmm. Meaning the young physicians or the newly hired physician, I should say. So we don't need once a month to find out that the application to a certain insurance carrier is incomplete and hasn't been submitted yet. That could delay someone getting on a panel and seeing patients with that plan for several months and that months, equals yeah. dollars.
1: Um, well, now let's think about if you were, let me ask you for some more advice, like if you, had a, if you were able to build a little leadership toolkit for lack of a better term, for the, for the new physician, um, what, what kind of resources would include in that first year, maybe in the first three months or six months and 12 months, to, to get him or her acclimated to growing? You know, I guess when I think of leadership, I think of they're building confidence, they're looking at things through a new lens, and that may help them in growing their practice and, and uh, stepping into the group or the, the department. So, what things might be included in something like a new physician leadership toolkit? for lack of a better term again.
3: Yeah, no, I, I, I think that's a great idea. Um, thinking, I'm thinking along the lines of a checklist, right? I think a checklist would be fantastic. And I think things that would be included in that checklist, um, first and foremost would be the hospital credentialing, mm-hmm. right? Um, state licensure and insurance, hospital credentialing, again, um, insurance insurance, panel credentialing, and then a marketing strategy. Introductions, and that can all go under marketing, but we're talking about introducing them to the group or the department. How about a day to introduce them to the people in the hospital, the OR nurses that are gonna be working with him, the nurses who are gonna take over the patient post-operatively and work with them on the floor. All these things are going to help him, and believe it or not, can also generate referrals for him right? Because some great referrals come from word of mouth. Um, And so in conclusion, I would put together a checklist for these new hires of things that they can do to jumpstart their practice.
1: Mm -hmm. And I think, would you agree that that meet and greet with the floor nurses and over there at the hospital, best done by the physician, perhaps the mentor, perhaps just somebody from the group, but having that, you know, here's our new colleague, is that effective?
3: Yes. Absolutely. I think the best, um, especially for the physician hires, is that the introduction's made by another physician. If it can't be, maybe then it would be the practice administrator. Mm -hmm. But what I like about it being the physicians in the group is it shows everyone else the importance of this hire, how this is going to boost the department or the practice, take us to the next level, and that they are invested enough in it to be a part of this luncheon, this grand rounds, whatever it may be.
1: Great. Yep. It really shows that there's a commitment there by the physicians to this new and that they're being brought into the fold. I wonder if there are other strategies that you've seen um, or would advise physicians out there for really, I guess the word I'm thinking of is to uh, kind of you're, you're sort of you're edifying the new physician by having the, a more senior physician make the introductions. What other ways can physicians do that to really position the new doctor in the community, in the hospital?
3: Sure. So I think I uh, gave one example on like a grand Mm rounds, a luncheon, uh, physician referral dinners, uh, national meetings, right? Introducing them and helping them to form their own network. And in that process,
1: is there a point at which the physician group might start seeing in that new physician uh, depending on how he or she handles all of those activities where, you know, Hey, this is somebody who's got really an interest in marketing or in um, quality management. In other words, we could start having this new physician grooming him or her for um, a committee quality committee or for uh, helping with marketing at, at the practice level What do you see as opportunities for the physician group or department? What skills are emerging and where then they could sort of guide and suggest the physician go in terms of leadership?
3: So that all begins the first time the resume is sent to the potential employer, right? They look at a resume and there's something that they really like about their training or their sub-training or some type of work that they did in the past that they um, target as a skill set that could really be utilized in their department or group, then towards spending time with them, getting to know them, involving them in the things we mentioned, they will learn more about where this person really thrives Mm -hmm. versus places They're not as good. So we've got to get to know this person. Maybe he has great marketing ideas. Maybe he'd be great in a hospital committee. Um, So the opportunities are endless, but we're not going to be able to help him grow those skill sets and let everyone visualize these skill sets if we don't get to know him and put him in a a number of different spaces to see how he flourishes in each of them. Which brings us
1: back to your... Tips, and this one is in the Journal of Medical Practice Management about this whole orientation. You got to have the plan, you got to have the timeline, and you need to make those introductions, which are all very important. And, you know, coaching, executive coaching, management coaching, these are some ways that, especially in hospital settings and our listenership, there's a lot of coaching going on out there. I'm curious is that something to offer a new physician, or at what point in the timeline might the physician that you've recruited be offered? some type of coaching
3: i think any time is good i think sometimes you might say certain coaching might be premature Mm -hmm. because they haven't gotten there yet but i still think they need some so they're prepared once they get there there may be times the same as with you and i on certain days we may not retain as much as we do on other days but I think they need some coaching before they get there, as soon as they get there, and while they're there. Um, And different things will take different priorities at certain times. I don't think we need to talk to them necessarily on day one about what their surgical volume should be at the end of the year when they're just walking in and figuring out where their desk is and how to pick up the phone. I think that comes a little bit later. But some type of orientation checklist for day one for – license, malpractice, DEA, working on the hospital credentialing and the insurance panels and a list of phone numbers that they may need. That would be super important.
1: So what would you say are the, um, if you had some sort of parting advice to the listeners who want to make sure they do the right thing based on what you see out there is the most common mistakes, what are the three things you'd say you just got to do these three things for every new physician you hire?
3: I would say you have to have an idea of what need you are trying to fulfill, make sure the candidate has the skill set to fulfill that need, and you have a plan to help them be successful.
1: Fantastic, very succinct and on the mark. Everyone should look for Nicola's article in the PLJ, which is coming up early this year, and uh, check out the article, How to Effectively Onboard New Physicians in the Journal of Medical Practice Management. Nicola, this has been wonderful. Appreciate all of your very practical advice from um, a very deep set of experience. Thanks for being here.
3: Thank you very much. Um, I appreciate it and I am available uh, to anyone with any specific questions or concerns at any time. Our website is spine-search.com. And again, Cheryl, thank you.
2: You are welcome. Ooh, great conversation with Nicola. Tothy. She had some really straightforward tips for orienting new physicians to the practice or organization, and I certainly loved her no nonsense style.
1: Me too. She was really right on the money, as they say, and very energetic to speak with.
2: Tothy, as we are moving towards the exit door today, let's remind listeners that the AAPL has a bunch of resources available to support physician leaders as they work their way through and manage the COVID-19 crisis and challenges in their healthcare systems and practices.
1: Yes, there is a resource page on the AAPL website called Leadership in the Midst of Crisis. You'll find it at physicianleaders.org, or we also have put a link in the show
2: notes. We've also included a link Uh, to the two discussion groups that AAPL has set up so physicians can connect in real time to share information. Again, those links are in the show notes. Yes.
1: And thank you, everyone, for tuning into Sound Practice today. You'll always find us, of course, on Apple, Google, or wherever you get your podcasts.
2: If you enjoyed our episodes of Sound Practice, please take two minutes to review us on your podcast app. Or if you'd like to give us feedback directly, send an email to feedback at soundpracticepodcast.com.
1: And join us for our next episode. Don't forget, we release one every other Wednesday. You've been
0: listening to Sound Practice, the business podcast for physicians and healthcare leaders. Check out the show notes for this episode at soundpracticepodcast.com. If you have any suggestions for future episodes, we'd love to hear them. Email us at info at soundpracticepodcast.com. Subscribe to Sound Practice wherever you listen to podcasts so you can automatically receive our episodes. And please rate us and comment on the podcast in iTunes and Google Play. Sound Practice is presented and produced by the team at American Association for Physician Leadership. We are the world's premier organization for all aspects of physician leadership in every sector of healthcare. Learn more at physicianleaders.org.
2: That is holy cow, but man robin went for